Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Some crumpets with your tea. I would prefer hard alcohol. Or a biscuit. <laughs> or hard alcohol liquor. Did you guys know that biscuits are cookies in England? A packet of chocolate biscuits. Oh, reason- that was my Irish accent monologue in college, oh. not British. Mm, I love but it. To be perfectly plain, Cecily. I wish that you were fully 42. Oh my God. Something of la la la. That was my RP. Importance of being earnest. Yes. Cecily. Yes, I love it. Oh my gosh, I did a scene from that with a friend in college. But you know, such fun, guys. So much fun. Hi, guys. Oh, hi. Hi, everybody. My name's Vanya. I am Vanya. I am the co-host of Rom Crime. I am the Rom. Rom, 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 Sorry. I love you so much. I just want to change I'm it up. I'm Avrin, and I am the crime. Crime, 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 crime. And this is Rome Crime. This is our true crime comedy podcast that has... Romantic handshakes. Yeah, girl. And I mean it. I mean it with my heart. I love this lady. Lady Di. I love her too. I would have liked to known you, but I was just a kid. Okay. Your All candle right. burned out long before. God, that gets me. Yeah, no, me too. Actually, I have a question. Yeah. So... Okay, guys, we're covering our second portion of Lady Diana. Yes, Princess Diana, part two. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh my God, who sung who sung that for her? Elton John. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, he sang it at her funeral. Have you ever had to sing it? Because, sorry, guys, if you don't know, Avrin's a singer and she's a beautiful singer and she's sung in front of many people all over the place and whatever. Have you ever had to sing when you were sad? Yes. <laughs> what is it like? This is actually 
kind of a funny story. Great. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, so not great, but it's no, it's actually, this is, I can't believe you asked me this question only because this is so weird and funny. When my grandmother passed away, there was a memorial. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really a funeral with like a church and a casket. It was like, like celebration like of she, life. Yeah, celebration of life, which is um, what I think we should all do all I want the time. That. Like, that's what I want to. That's yeah. what I feel like all of my family members have had. But my sisters and I, we, we have this family song that mm. we always perform at family gatherings. It comes up at Christmas parties and Easter dinners. My sister even like reworked the lyrics to be her maid of honor speech that's at my right. wedding. I witnessed that and it was incredible. It was the greatest thing probably ever done at a wedding ever in the history of weddings it made me wish i had four sisters or five four three sisters right and a, or just and a like brother. a family that had this as their family song so when i was i'm gonna say let's see 12 my brother moved from tucson arizona to kansas city where me and my family were living to go to college there and it was we did a road trip right so we went and like got him with all of his stuff Amazing. we drove across country my brother is really into musical theater like it's why I love musical theater. My brother's the reason I want to be an actor. I saw him as I saw him play Peter Pan when I was five, and from that moment on, I was like, Stars I will be eyes. an actress, and I will be Peter Pan, both. <laughs> yes. And I'm successful at being Peter Pan. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we were listening to the cast album of a new musical on Broadway called Jekyll and Hyde. And the song is called Bring on the Men, and it is performed by a character in the musical named Lucy, who is a sex worker, as I've learned to call her. And it's her performance song. So it's not like a, <clears throat> like a private moment for her. It's like, this is me in the strip club version yeah. of Jekyll and Hyde Times being like, bring on the men. So we as young girls, not having any, I'm sure I had like a somewhat clue but not really right. i didn't get the joke you didn't know what they were actually selling i mean i think i was like this is bad like naughty <laughs> but i didn't get the jokes my youngest sister at the time would have been if i was 12 she would have been five <laughs> so over the course of this road trip we all kind of memorized this song my brother's a great piano player and so when we arrived in kansas city and he was now living with us in our piano and he would play it we would all sing it and it became kind of like a running family joke but then also a legit Family it's tradition. Amazing. Yeah. And so at my grandmother's celebration of life, we were asked to perform the song. Oh my god. I feel like we Wait, all who asked you? I want to say it was my mother. Oh but I know it wasn't my mother. <laughs> but somebody was like, or somebody just said, like, could you guys sing something for us? There was lots of music. Yeah. My sister Lainey sang something a cappella during the actual celebration who also has a gorgeous, gorgeous gorgeous fucking voice who also like sang during the celebration of life and it was kind of afterwards with like cocktails and gotcha. mingling and hors d'oeuvres and someone was like could you guys do a number for us oh and like God. as a family collectively we only have one number <laughs> and so just to give you guys an, if you don't know the song i'm not going to go into it too far but the very opening <laughs> lyrics of this song so imagine in its origins it's a five-year-old a six and a half year old, a 10 year old and a 12 year old with their, you know, 20 year old brother playing the piano. And the song starts with, there was a time, I don't know when, I didn't have much time for men. 
But that was now and this is then. I'm learning. <laughs> yes, we in fact sang that at parties and at my grandmother's celebration Good of life. for you. That's my answer to well, your listen, question. Well, listen, I guess, I guess the answer is you didn't have a problem holding back tears because there's so much joy I would have joy if it wasn't hilarity. that song. Right. I'm sure no, if I'd been asked good. to sing fucking Candle in the Wind, yeah. I wouldn't know. No. I've, yeah, no. It's amazing. I cry sometimes like singing songs in the shower that touch me That's most. true. I do too. And I've told you guys about different songs that make me cry because I am a baby. I just, that's it. That's why I don't, I don't know how people do it. It's hard to, um, maybe for me, think about being away from the emotion. And I know trained singers, you're just trained to do it. You figure out how to breathe differently. And you got to figure out how to fully like stop paying attention to what you're singing about. Because right. if you're, think about the if notes. you're crying, you yeah. cannot sing. No, because it, it, it closes your throat. Closes your throat. Sometimes that's effective. Right. But if you actually need to sing a song, yeah. you can't be crying. Right. Well, okay. So go Elton John. That's yeah. basically the point of our story. Because they were besties. Okay. So guys, <coughs> episode two, or sorry, part two, episode 49, guys. It's 49. Part two. part two of the People's Princess, Diana. That's right. And we ended with, oh, we wanted to mention one thing before. Yeah. So I realized upon listening to our episode last week that I was like, oh, wait, Vanya, don't forget about the BBC interview and then proceeded to talk some bullshit about other stuff. No, you told us about the amazing Camilla story. Okay, so it wasn't bullshit. I was very but I told you a story but know. completely omitted the whole BBC interview, which is when the queen intervened and insisted that, that Charles and Diana divorce. Yeah. Because what Diana had done basically crossed the line and there was no coming back. So Diana gave an interview with the BBC where she basically aired her grievances about her treatment by the royal family and, more importantly, the fact that there were three people in her marriage after Tampon Gate came out. Apparently, mm-hmm. everyone knew anyway, but Camilla, Charles, and Diana had been present in this marriage since before the engagement, but she was aware of it. She called them out for it. But then specifically what she said in the interview, and she regretted this statement. She said something about like anybody, you know, who has like that kind of a low moral compass, was he really fit to be the King of England? Oh shit. And she, it was like a one-off comment, oh, the but queen she did, did not say like it. that shit. She regretted saying it. She didn't regret saying the other stuff. You know, it was the, the, Big takeaway was there were three people in my marriage, right. and that's why it didn't work out. But the queen insisted they divorce after that interview. Oh, so God. And that, that was and, the story. And that's I, scandal because, uh, like, yeah. you don't really – I think it's happened before, but when people get divorced, they, they're in exile somewhere. Right. It's still <laughs> – you know, like, divorce nowadays is, like, just commonplace. Um, and when they divorced in 19 – they separated in 92, but they didn't divorce until 96. Yeah, correct. So in 96, like, divorce was something that was happening to, like, you know – 50% of marriages. It's, so it was yeah, a little, it and it still does, but it was less shocking that people might divorce. It was still a royal family that people would have bet millions of dollars they would never divorce and they would just be unhappily married and yeah. like have their own separate right. relationships. But after she suggested that maybe Charles wasn't fit to be king, queen, the queen, queen took her earrings off. <laughs> she threw pissed. her earrings off and was like, You will divorce. Get the so fuck out sorry of this about palace. not following through with that. That's right. But like I said before, she got some money. She had her still Kensington house and she had, you know, also she had this power of the media and it got 
to a crazy fever pitch after they separated and divorced. And she was like, you know what, motherfuckers, paparazzi. Sorry, we're not even in, ten, in minute 10 yet, and I'm already crying or cursing. Oh, oh. Um, I'm <laughs> crying and you're cursing. I just, but no, she, she basically, uh, um, Diana was like, no, I'm going to take the power back. They're not, they're going to stop talking about what I wear. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk. Stop taking photos of me, like, and circling the cellulite when I'm coming out of the gym. You and guys suck so hard. I know. It just, it sucks. But they're going, she's, I'm going to use this as a platform to show, to to bring to light some of the important things in this world. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she did this when she was married, but she, back before when they didn't, when the world didn't do know much about AIDS, um, she went to one of the clinics and so everybody would wear like hazmat suits like that. And they were freaked out to touch AIDS patients, which was like so sad because right, it was still considered a gay plague. Yeah. People thought that only gay people got it and you could get it from touching someone or drinking out of the same glass as them, which had all been scientifically debunked. Right. But she knew that. So she went in purposefully and oh, side note, interesting fact. And we didn't mention this yet, but you know me, I'm in love with clothing and all those things. Most, um, princesses um wear gloves when they're in public and she never wore gloves because she felt like it it was like a barrier between her and the people and so she would like they talked about her meeting meeting people she would go to the homeless um center point i think was the big shelter she would take her kids there and sit down and talk with people anyways she touched them and they melt actually touched them and that is why she was so effective yeah and why people loved her so much her ability to connect with people and what she did for i i love this that's why say romantic handshakes is she went in and um shook publicly there was a photo taken she shakes a man's hand who is has aids and um she shook more than one yeah and and it was she knew that the power of that photo and honestly after that people were like oh well if lady diana is going to do it then it can't be maybe it can't be deadly because they wouldn't let her do it and also they didn't want her to do it they actually the 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 royal family were like, does this really need to be the cause you're championing, Diana? And she was like, I go where I am needed. I and love her. these people have told me that they need me. Mm-hmm. They need the awareness that I can bring. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it. And I also know that like, I can't mm-hmm. get AIDS from shaking someone's hand. In fact, she also met a man who was very ill and in bed at that same visit. And he had told her that like no one had touched him. In so I mean, many months. It's so sad. And her instinct was to hug him because she was very personable that and way. And she, she definitely and she had... did. A f- oh. She held him and she said that she felt his body like like release this, this like that Can need you imagine? and that touch. And so it touched her personally and that's why it was a cause she championed so hard. I think partly the reason she did touch so many people, you know, they talk about how she had such a lively personality and funny. she was funny. And honestly, and I not know, uptight like all the other royals. Exactly. She was grounded. They do talk how she lit up a room. Uh, they did say that. Yeah. So we already know what that means. Yeah. But I'm she like, also, she was funny. Yeah. And she was, she was sarcastic. Yeah. And she made jokes. She was and naughty. She did. She was light. Yeah. And she wasn't stuffy. And but she I think wasn't a royal in that way. It's true. She was a royal, but she like 
She, they say she was classless, but I think part of the thing that the reason she could go talk to the homeless, she could go talk to people in different, there's another, I think another, um, big one was the bereavement. I forget, but it's for people who have lost their lost, um, children. So people who've had stillborns, people who've lost their kid at any age, whatever. She had such a sadness. And I think, um, a lot of people go into comment, not that she's a comedian, but people who, who mask so many people who have deep pain mask it with humor. Yeah. And anyways, she had, she say, had ability to like, she had the ability to mask. And I that. will say this in that documentary I was watching in her own words, which is what the book was based off of those, these audio recordings. She specifically mentions, there's a photo of her <clears throat> after a horrible day where she, you know, something really bad had happened. She's in a car and the picture is she is laughing and smiling. Her mom's in the car with her. And she's like leaning over and she's got this in- amazing smile on yeah, her face. she's gorgeous. And she said, my, I had a specific talent just like my mother. No matter how awful things were or dire or dark, I could pretend that I was as happy as could be no matter the situation. Wow. And I think sometimes your body mm-hmm. and your mind believes it because honestly, with how stressful the world is right now, we're laughing. Oh God! Yeah. I'm I, honestly, I'm like looking forward to every time we record more and more because it's such a good escape, and I hope that we're giving you guys something that. Yes, you could- me too. My husband was literally like, "Wait, are you doing your?" You're researching more stuff? And I was like, leave me alone. This is what I have. <laughs> I was all I can hold on to. I was like, all I have is this podcast. I know. And I love it. And it does like, this was a nice. This was a break from the, it was. the horror shit Right. Show. Nobody got, I mean, somebody was killed, but it was not. Wasn't murder. Gross, gross. This is just, there were so many romantic crimes committed over the course really? of, of her short but so productive many. life. But it was nice to also just see that beautiful brightness that she brought to everything, even when she had every right to be just like the darkest of dark people. I think she had, I've known people like that who are just like so full and charismatic. She, um, Prince Williams talked about when, you know, cause they had nannies and people take care of them during the day. And she had probably, you know, appearances she had to be at. And so she, he said that like, she'd come in while they were taking bath when they were little kids and she'd like put bubbles in it, make it crazy and make the whole room a mess and then go off. Yeah. And they showed all those pictures of her with like, (laughs) with the kids at like Disneyland. And he said, what was fun about, my mom is that she was also a child that she had she had the joy and fun and sense of like wonder and awe as a kid because let's also just remember that diana was 36 years old when she died that's right and you mentioned in the last episode that she said she had an unhappy childhood so she wanted to give her kids happiest childhood yeah and i also think she was young enough to also be like just like goofy and have fun and she was just as delighted by it as they were we would have been best friends um but also she made them wait in line at disneyland which is fucking hilarious because i'd be like mom this is where we pull the royal card Hello. Lines at Disneyland are the fucking worst. <laughs> Honestly, I want to go. I can't I want this I pandemic went, to be over. Pre pandemic. Last time I went, I was 18. No, I went like last year with my husband and my sister in law. I know, I'm very jealous. You did it like <clears throat> adult we had, like, style. the best time, but the line part sucks. Yeah, exactly. That's when you just. I elbowed kids who tried to cut in front of me. Oh, I wouldn't let that go down. I'd be like. But I did it, and, and my husband was embarrassed because we're at <laughs> Disneyland. Like, 
the most magical place on earth for children. And I was like, you do not cut in front of me for the haunted house, motherfuckers. <laughs> and like knocked these kids back. But also they were like aggressively trying no, to cut. Not me. okay. Oh, I, I wouldn't be able to handle that shit. No. That's a hard pass and a hard no for this Vanya. This is why I'm everyone's favorite aunt and no one's mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love you. So over 1996, getting back to Miss Diana's love life here. She, Diana dated Muslim Pakistani heart surgeon Hasnat Khan. Right, so their divorce is final. Yeah, sorry, their divorce is final. Separated in 92. Mm-hmm. They worked out all the details required for her so that she would maintain yes. equal custody of her sons, which was like her biggest thing. Yeah, because that's scary. And then scary. the queen is like, divorce bitches. Yeah. And divorce in 96. Yep, yep. And she was really scared, but like you said, the kid, she got the kid. I mean, you know, she watched her mom go through the whole thing where the, she didn't get the kids. So yeah, how scary. Kid, custody was stolen from that her. That would scare me really uh, that would make most people stay in a terrible I marriage. Was gonna I mean, say, I guess the queen forced her to force the divorce after she said, he but she was sassy. But that would make me not speak out. She yeah. had. I'm glad that she had the gumption to she do was that. Moxie, full of moxie. She was so. Oh, I love that word. I love the word moxie. So do I. And I feel like she should have been like oh. Princess Diana, the moxie princess. Oh, I love it. Instead of the people's princess. Yeah. Slash people's princess, though. Um, so she apparently loves this guy for like two years. And her friends, they quote later that he was the love of her life at the time. And But Dr. Khan, he loved her back, but it, he didn't like the tabloid life. And poor Diana was get, just bombarded by paparazzi. It's just such an uncomfortable thing, you know? She was, as we've mentioned in the previous episode, the most famous woman on earth, the most photographed, the most reported on the yeah. most followed woman on the planet. That's right. So, however, while there was questions of why they broke up, after her death, um, the doctor confirmed it was actually Lady Diana who broke it off with him for Mr. Dodi Al-Fayed, the son of an Egyptian business magnate, heir to the Herod's luxury department store fortune, and a film producer. Um, he produced like uh, Hook, yeah, and oh, something else like Curly Sue. I but there's another up, big one. Know. There's another big one. What's the chariots? Chariots, chariots of, of fire. fire. That's another one. I think. So, anyways, I'm gonna pass it to you. But I would also like to one quickly say that he was engaged to a Calvin Klein model when he met her and when he was seeing her. Yes, and she sued him. Oh, did she? Her name was like Kelly Alice, or Kelly something something yeah. or other. God, we're such good researchers. <laughs> Kelly something or other. But yes, she was engaged to him in 1997. She's the least important and person then, in this. I'm anyways. not even going to give her too much time. But she dropped the lawsuit I mean, you know. out of respect for his family after oh, I hope what we're so. about to talk oh about. So basically within a month of, give me the name again of the doctor. Um, Hasnat Khan. Has, yes. Uh, of or, their breaking or, yeah. up. Diana began a relationship with Dodi Al-Fayed, the son of her summer host, Mohammed Al-Fayed. So that summer... Diana had wanted to take her sons on a holiday to the Hamptons on Long Island in New York, but security officials were like, no, that's a, like a lot. Taking them to the U.S. and like, we'd have to bring a whole security detail and all that. So after deciding against that, she accepts Mohammed Al-Fayed's invitation to join his family in the south of France, where his compound and large security detail mm-hmm. that was already in place would not cause concern to the Royal Protection Squad. So this is the data doty. This is the data doty. Okay. And we'll get into that. I just really want to say the dad. The dad of Dodi. <laughs> so um, the Fayeds brought 
the Joni Call, a 60 meter, I don't know what that means, multi-million pound yacht. Well, 60 meters around three feet, right? So it was huge. Yeah. So if it's a meter is three feet, so 60 times three, 60 times three is 180 feet. It's a big yacht. It was yeah. called the jo- Joni Call. And they bought it for this For this trip. Trip. So during Crazy. the summer of 1997... Princess Diana's relationship with Dodi Al- with Dodi Al-Fayed was literally all anyone, tabloid speaking and regular people speaking, would could talk about. The most famous woman in the world was dating the son of a billionaire. So a little bit about Dodi. Dodi was born in Egypt in 1955. He was the eldest son of Herod's tycoon, Mohammed Al-Fayed, mm-hmm. and Samira Khashoggi. His uncle was Saudi Arabian-born billionaire arms dealer Adnan Khashoggi. I'm just throwing that in there for the conspiracy theories coming up. Okay. Jody was a film producer, receiving credits in Hook, The Scarlet Letter, and Chariots of Fire. All big movies. Scarlet Letter, Demi Moore. Oh, I forgot. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. We should watch that. We should. Okay, go on. Also, I just watched an episode. I have to cough again. I don't have COVID. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. It's the fires. It is the fires. But no, I was just watching an episode of Seinfeld where someone was like, it's Demi. And George Cassandra's is like, I thought it was Demi. And they're like, no, I'm pretty sure it's Demi. And he's like, I've never heard of a Sami truck before. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a new podcast all about Seinfeld coming up shortly. Yeah. <laughs> so Dodie clearly live in the life of luxury, divided his time between London, Paris, the Riviera, and Cairo. And he was cute. And he was very handsome. He's 42 years old, super stud. So many will remember the tabloid splash, The Kiss, where a paparazzi shot of the new couple kissing aboard his yacht was splashed across the front page of every newspaper, every every tabloid, everything. Very upsetting. The picture sold for over $2 million dollars. Encouraging the already frenzied paparazzi to become even more relentless in their pursuit of Ew. photos of Diana. I just <sighs> wanted to throw that out there. So how did Princess Diana and Dodi Fayed meet each other? So the pair actually met a decade before they ever like were romantically involved at a polo event that I that Diana attended with her ex-husband, Prince Charles, in 1986. Mm. They also happened to run in the same, you know, super rich social circles right. in London. Also, Mohammed Al-Fayed was an old friend of Diana's father, the late Earl Spencer. And so Diana accepted the invitation to stay at his palatial villa in Saint-Tropez with her sons, Prince William, who was then 15, and Prince Harry, who was then 12, that summer when he offered it. Mm. And it wasn't until this trip that Dodie and Diana grew close. Dodie is said to have admired Diana from afar for many years, but set his sights firmly upon her during the group holiday in July of 1997. He showered her with lavish gifts after their um, luxury vacation. There was a Cartier watch, baskets of tropical fruit, and enough roses to fill an entire room. They became romantically involved and holidayed on the Mediterranean Sea together. In between Diana's charitable visits to mm-hmm. Bosnia and Angola in support of landmine victims, which is another oh my God, you guys. huge charitable... Um, or philanthropic cause. So not only was there the AIDS, the AIDS cause, the AIDS crisis, and and championing the you know support of like AIDS research and demystifying beliefs about yeah. AIDS. She supported the homeless, she, children, and elderly. Back in the remember the leprosy, she went to a, a lepr- leper leper community. Crazy, but she was a huge um, right. advocate. 
for like destroying landmines right. so that people wouldn't accidentally die. Yes, she was working on a global landmine ban. And um, three months later, there was a treaty made making landmines illegal. And her, um, so, oh God, this part was intense for me though. She, cause I, we watched, I watched an interview with one of the people from Bosnia because she went and she visited yeah. people who, especially Got kids on and didn't have limbs, pe- people whose parents had passed because they had stepped on, on landmines. Um, but it so Diana chose to be an act, advocate for getting rid of those landmines. Morning to night, she was visiting survivors. Most people ran away from pain, but Princess Diana wasn't afraid to visit families day and night who were affected by the war. And she gave hope to so many. One man saying, "As many were committing su- as many were committing suicide after experiencing from like just trauma the from the of war limbs and yeah trauma." He said he was lucky because he had the moral support from Princess Diana. <laughs> He said it was like a power, and this is as a kid she spoke with him, but he said it was like a powerful wind at my back driving me on. And 20 years, I know it got me. And 20 years later, there are no landmines and this is her legacy. And so then she was that, so she was trying to work on the, she was going to be the face of that global landmine ban. Three months later, there was a treaty made making them illegal. And to this day, they're still working on it, but she had the ability to change the mindset of millions of people. It's just amazing. People would follow Princess Diana wherever she went and she went where so few yeah. would agree to go. And, and that I, is so This is so also one of the of conspiracies though. Yeah. Because the people who made landmines made a lot of money. So they yeah. saw her as like a threat, apparently. We're gonna get into yeah. that. Trust me. I just wanna, so, I just wanna put the, I wanna plan that. During the see. summer of nineteen ninety seven, in between, you know, like their holidays on the Mediterranean Sea and like romantic encounters you know in between all of that she's visiting bosnia and angola in support of landmine victims and she goes to new york city to meet with mother Teresa. oh that's crazy so the couple had been dating less than two months when diana and dodie's final holiday began on the 22nd of august in 1997 they flew to the mediterranean to cruise from the south of france to sardinia but it was in sardinia that the italian paparazzi caught up with the pair and the couple decided to be like time out on their big old holiday and decided it was just time to return to London via Paris. But sadly, Princess Diana and Dodi Al-Fayed would never make it back to London. On August 30th of August, or sorry, on August 30th, 1997, I had a rum and Coke, you guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Around 11.30 p.m., after dining home. at his father's Ritz Hotel in Paris, Diana and Dodi snuck out the back of the hotel to avoid the throngs of paparazzi waiting out front and hopped into a black Mercedes Benz. In the car waiting for them were Diana's bodyguard, Trevor Reese Jones, and driver, Henry Paul. So... They had been so hounded by photographs, like photographers, photographs, sorry, photographers (laughs) ever since they'd gotten together that it was like something they had to kind of plan around. They actually planted a decoy car out front of the hotel that they had dined in to try to like lure the paparazzi to this fancy car so that they could sneak out. But once um, spotted by paparazzi, they began to... um, follow on motorbikes and pursue them through the streets of Paris. The driver, Henry Paul, approached the entrance of a road tunnel at the Paris's Pont de l'Alma, um, which was a tunnel, driving at approximately 70 miles per hour. Paul lost control of the car and collided into a pillar in the middle of the highway. Henry, Henry Paul, 
and Dodi Al-Fayed were pronounced dead at the scene of the crime. But Diana was still alive. In fact, um, there's a firefighter who was at the scene who was trying to help who said that what she said to him was, my God, what's happened? She was immediately rushed to hospital where doctors tried to save her, but ultimately they could not get her heart to keep beating. And at 4.53 a.m., Princess Diana died from internal bleeding. Trevor Reese Jones, the bodyguard who was in the car, survived the crash. He was the only person who was wearing a seatbelt. Right. None of it, nobody else was wearing seatbelts. Nobody else was wearing seatbelts. That's crazy. Belts. I'm like, get put your seatbelt on if you're in a high, also, you know, in a like, chase. We'll get into it. This is going to play into the conspiracy. So the world was shocked and devastated by the loss of Diana. People all over Britain, most specifically, but also the world, really kind of reacted as if they had lost a member of their own family. And in a way, they had. She was the people's princess. She touched people. People related to her and loved her. And when she passed away, it felt like a personal loss for Mm -hmm. so many. And um, her funeral, which took place in early September, was watched on television by over 2.5 billion people worldwide. It's one of the most watched television programs of all time. Um, However, there was a lot of anger from the British people towards the royal family and their reaction to it because the royal family, following tradition, basically like sequestered themselves away. So they heard the news and immediately they were on vacation at that Balmore house in Scotland and they just like for a week said nothing. And... The, the people of Britain actually really do look to the royal family to, in times of hardship, yeah. like speak to them directly and offer them hope and peace. We saw that this year in 2020 with the queen coming out and saying like, this is horrible, this fucking pandemic. Yeah. Stay home, Her wear words. a mask, I'm just don't go outside. She said it was fucking horrible. <laughs> no, but see, She's that's very the kind crass. of... But we do look to leaders, and I know they have the parliament, but we do look to leaders to give us some kind of um, sense of it's going to be okay. Comfort, yeah. Yeah, so people were upset. So they go silent, and people I'm sure they're pissed. trying to protect yeah. their they children. Were, and mean, They were also... The royal family is notoriously private, right? Like, they try not to air their dirty laundry. Diana was like, sorry about it. Yeah. But, you know, they kept a lot of shit. They keep the bad stuff kind of, like, within the the circle of trust, um, if you will. And everyone only gets to see, like, the pretty weddings and the, you know, and the birth of new children. Mm -hmm. And they don't see, they're not supposed to get to see the hard stuff. But people were really upset that the queen, in particular, was not in London in the wake of Diana's death, where the... The people of Britain were devastated. So she did eventually address the nation, which did calm people's hearts and minds. Um, It was a televised appearance in a tribute to the people's princess. And this is what she said. We have all felt those, those emotions in these last few days. So what I say to you now as your queen and as a grandmother, I say from the heart. First, I want to pay tribute to Diana myself. She was an exceptional and gifted human being. In good times and bad, she never lost her capacity to smile and laugh, to inspire others with her warmth and kindness. I admired and respected her for her energy and commitment to others, especially for her devotion to her two boys. And this seemed to kind of like placate the people yeah, of Britain from being like good. super pissed. Um, her funeral was over a, hun- over a million people lined the street. 
leading up to the procession of her funeral. Her two boys, along with Prince Charles, and I believe her brother, walked behind the casket. Mm -hmm. Uh, Prince Harry left a a letter for his mummy. Honestly, with the HBO documentary, it was like they were talking a little bit about it, and they talked about their last... um, I I probably won't be able to get through this, but they talked about their last phone conversation because they were kids. They just wanted to get back to playing. They were 15 and and 12 when she died. And they were at at the summer place and she was like in Paris and she's like, hi. You know, they talked every day all the time, but they weren't, you know, no, I personally, even I'm not a teenager and I don't want to stay on the phone. I'm just like, I'd rather be in person, you know? And so anyways, both of them kind of beat themselves up over the the amount of time they sort of spent, but nobody knows when you're going to pass. And I personally, you know, even though you feel regret, I feel like you, you have to let yourself off the hook because none of us know when we're going to go. And so we just have to be blessed to be, to have the presence of somebody. Right, and try just, to remember that every, that nothing is guaranteed, that life is precious and every chance you get to tell the people that you love them, that you love them, yeah, take it. Because absolutely. nothing is a given. Nothing, no, and especially true. now living in, all of this insanity that we live in, like yeah. nothing is a given. And so I think that's a good reminder is like, yes, we don't like to talk on the phone, but when we do mm-hmm. make sure before we hang up that we tell whoever we're talking to how we feel yeah. and that we love them. It's if tough. we love them, it's if you don't tough. love them, don't tell <laughs> You're them. Like, tell me, hate hey. them, you know, do you. <laughs> but, okay. So uh, in the wake of her death, Many people blamed tabloid magazines and the frenzied paparazzi for causing the crash. French authorities launched an investigation, and they found the blame fell on the driver of the car, Henry Paul, who, it was discovered, had alcohol over the legal limit. Three times over the French limit, which is 0.5, and I'm pretty sure the U.S. limit is 0.08. Yeah. So like this was really like a, intoxicated. a drunk person. And- so, and also prescription drugs. Yeah. So they say that it was a combination of drugs and alcohol, which caused him to lose control of the car and crash it while he was trying to escape and he, uh, paparazzi. And he was an employee of the Ritz. He was, yes, he was not, not the usual driver. Yeah. Um, that will also play into the conspiracy theories gotcha. that I will get. So the French authorities findings, which is basically like the result and cause of princess Diana's death was a tragic accident because a drunk, stoned driver was being chased by paparazzi. So they acknowledged the paparazzi's role in it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a horrible accident. Yeah, they hit the pillar. So even though the the findings of the French authorities has been basically proven to be the truth, that does not stop several conspiracy theories. Surrounding I'm the sorry, death. and the findings were that the paparazzi were not to blame. It was the drunk well, Henri. Mostly, like the ca- the the cause of the crash was that the driver was drunk and, and he was impaired, and he lost yes. control of the car. Yes. However, it is not completely disputed that the that he was being pursued by the paparazzi, yeah. and so they're they were part of it. It's not their fault that it happened. Like they weren't blamed for yeah, it, but they were pursuing they were being an pers- asshole. They were pursuing them, and that is why this driver was like driving crazy, trying to get away. He just happened to be drunk. Yeah, part so, of me is like, though I, I know I think about this, and but like maybe just don't go fast. What are they going to do? Bang on the door? I mean, yeah. what are they going to do? Are well, they are they that aggressive? Are they going to break the glass? Like maybe who knows? I mean, but if they do, that's aggressive. you're not going to be killed. Yeah, that's assault, and you won't die. So. Don't get drunk and drive famous people around. But good lesson. That's a life lesson. 
But there are several conspiracy theories surrounding the death of Princess Diana, um, which kind of started with Dodie Al-Fayed's father. Dodie's daddy. Dodie's daddy, Mohammed Al-Fayed, who was convinced that somehow this crash had been orchestrated to appear as an accident, but was actually an attempt, was, was, an, was an assassination of him, of Diana and his son. By M's. So, but yeah, well, but lots of things. So first there's M- M16, there's the British state, there's the royal family. But he kind of came out and said that that Diana was possibly pregnant with Dodie's son and that the British state simply could not allow the heir to the throne of Britain to have a Muslim half-sibling and a Muslim stepfather. So they devised a plan to get rid of her. Wait, who said that? His father. That's what his father thought. Okay. Yeah. Now, this gained some traction because weeks before the crash, tabloids had started speculating and reporting that Diana was pregnant because of a comment that she made about a big surprise announcement she was going to make. However, this theory has been, the pregnancy theory has been disproven because um, after her autopsy, they found zero evidence of pregnancy. Right. Um, but this is when it just kind of... It Was it the landmine landmine thing was her big announcement? I don't know what her big yeah, announcement Yeah, because I know she was about to announce the global... Probably, um, yeah. yeah. But they took that to be, you know, tabloids. They're never right. So yeah. mostly... So the next um, theory was really spurred on by the fact that even Diana herself thought that she was going to be killed that, by the establishment. This is actually crazy. This, this is, is years story. ago. She writes down in, I a guess, letter. a journal or a letter. She sends a letter. So this comes to light in a, um, when a letter that was disclosed by Paul Burrell, which was Diana's one-time butler, um, who said he'd been given this letter for safekeeping. She wrote down, I am sitting here at my desk today in October. So she died in August. Longing for someone to hug me and encourage me to keep strong and hold my head high. This particular phase in my life is the most dangerous. The names of, or the name of whoever she put is redacted. So, blah, 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 so-and-so is planning an accident in my car. Brake failure and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for Charles to marry, it read. The letter appears eerily prescient and indeed... It, it had history because when she wrote that letter, um, one of her bodyguards, who was her lover that you mentioned, oh, had been killed in a car accident, and she believed that he had been bumped off. Oh. So she, like, clearly had concern for her own safety. That much is not a conspiracy theory. But there is no official suggestion that she would actually be killed, even if there was, like, bad blood between them. Like, the British, like, the royal family is a little too, like, uptight, proper, for, like, hits. (laughs) So another theory is that the paparazzi made the car crash intentionally. So photographers were blamed repeatedly and continue to be to this day, including by her son, Harry, for Diana's death. The story caught on in part because... It kind of reflected a concern that Diana had pursued throughout her life, that the often insane interest the public had in her was causing her harm. Like, they were all over her all the time. Now, this theory took three specific forms. 
The first alleges that the group of paparazzi chased and pushed Diana's Mercedes so that it could make the crash happen. The second argues that members of the paparazzi encouraged an environment where the crash could happen. Which I'll to buy me makes that sense. one. Yeah. And the third suggests that the paparazzi accidentally created a situation that could that the conspirators who wanted to kill her exploited to create the accident. Yeah, okay. I'll buy the second part, yeah, which argues too. that members of the paparazzi encouraged an environment where a crash could happen. Yeah. The official investigation pointed out that the paparazzi are not really a meaningful group as a whole, though they do the same job. They generally compete with each other for photos. Many of them work for different companies and they do entirely different jobs. And some of them are even professional like photojournalists. So officials, official investigations found that the Mercedes car that Diana was in did seem to have driven quickly in part to escape the photographers, but operation Paget or Paget, which was launched because the sheer volume of conspiracy theories and commitment by the people that believed them, including Dodi Al-Fayed's dad, mm-hmm. Dodi's daddy, Mohammed, that it so was murder. Operation Paget is the government's is the oper- French yeah. government literally had to investigate all 175 conspiracy theories that were about like they had to fully investigate and disprove right because in order were- to get people to stop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> saying that what they said happened was the truth cost like millions and millions of euros or whatever the French currency is, but they did do it. And they also found... Good for them. Yeah. So the Operation Paget found that the result of normal behavior um, by the paparazzi was that... Sorry. They found that this behavior was normal by paparazzi and that they had not been participating in any criminal conspiracy. They were just assholes all around. Yeah. Paparazzi suck. I feel like we can generally agree on that. Well, you know what it is? It's poor people trying to feed their families. And there's this like, oh, you're going to spend... You're going to pay $2 million for a... Like, some people play the lotto. Some people say, oh, you know what? No, I'm going to be more proactive about the yeah. money I make. I'm going to go take pictures I'm of go the princess on a, on a boat yacht for fucking, yeah, so exactly. another conspiracy was that the driver, Henry Paul, intentionally crashed the car. So Henry Paul was the head of security at the Ritz Hotel in Paris. But conspiracy theorists believe that he was in the pay of at least one other organization, the security services in France or the UK or both, so people who doubt the official course of events say that its central claim about Mr. Paul being drunk at the time of the crash is not only false, but was a lie spread in the media to cover up the killing. And that was done in part by swapping his body with another person so that the toxicological I mean, that's results ridiculous. would appear correct. But there are a number of reasons people believe this. Mr. Paul was seen in public and did not behave like he was intoxicated in any way, shape, or but form. But people who are alcoholics exactly don't. Yes, and beliefs about him being in the pay of security services come from the fact that he appeared to have more money that would be in, would be expected. That's right. And that is true. So the average salary for a driver is $35,000 a year. At the time of the crash and his death, uh, Henry Paul had $25,000 in his bank account. But that kind of leads into another conspiracy theory, okay. which is that he was... Working with M, um, MI16. I think it's just MI6. Or, or MI6. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, MI6. <laughs> I think you're thinking of the I'm uh, thinking of gang. The M16 gang. Or, or, yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking of. <laughs> but people thought that maybe he was um, like an informant for M, mm. MI6. And that um, MI6 was actually responsible for her death. Yeah, I've heard that. And that that's why he had that money because they had paid him for it. But then my thing is, if someone was like, do the crash on purpose... 
he's going to kill himself because he didn't have a car or he didn't have have a seatbelt on. Well, that's where we get into it. So we're going to keep going. Sorry. (laughs) There's also a conspiracy theory that something was wrong with the Mercedes, the car. Um, There's really nothing to this other than the fact that like people reported to see the car driving at an unusual speed and that maybe someone had tampered with the brakes. In fact, I read an article. I can't verify the truth of this because it was an article like that a reporter heard the queen say this, but when um, Queen Elizabeth was notified of Diana's death initially, she was incredibly bewildered. And one of the first things that she said out loud was like, someone must have greased the brakes, like and insinuated that somebody tampered with the car. So that gave this conspiracy theory theory legs. There was also the theory about How the brakes. How do you grease the brakes? I think that just means like fuck with the brakes. Oh, okay. In British slang, much like stygy. Is that what it is? Or squidgy? Squidgy. So there was also the conspiracy (laughs) theory of bright flashes, right? So many witnesses reported seeing bright flashes like right before the crash that maybe somebody had actually like somehow, I don't know, like done some kind of big light flash thing in front of the car to force it to crash. But the deal with that is a lot of people reported different flashes at different times for different places. It didn't add up. I mean, it could be. Could be, Could be cameras. The yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's so what the, it was. Um, there were a lot of flashes at night, the photographers following the car, the light of the headlights, but none of them appear to have been specifically like malicious on purpose. Yeah. So the another theory is that Diana's medical care was deliberately sabotaged. Right. <coughs> now I'm going to because come. That's something I heard because, you know, you had said that she went immediately. She did not go immediately to no, the hospital, didn't. which is kind of fucked up, but they didn't know how damage how how internally damaged she was because she had no she had like a small gash on her forehead and that's right it. and she appeared to have like you no know, broken arm yeah a gash on her head a gash on her thigh and like maybe some broken ribs but like she was hurt but yeah. it didn't look deadly anyway the conspiracy theorists believe that doctors allowed diana to die on purpose by not treating her in the proper way they stopped her from recovering most of this revolves around her treatment at the scene of the crash if she had instead been taken to the nearest hospital and treated there, yeah. she may have survived, they say. Part of the belief in this theory comes from the fact that the French approach to emergency care is simply different from the UK. In France, emergency crews focus on giving treatment at the scene before moving a person to hospital. In the UK, it's about getting to the hospital as fast as you can. So, as the writers of Operation Paget, Paget report... Such a conspiracy would require a substantial number of expert doctors and other caregivers to both break their ethics and then lie about it. So we don't think that happened. And also, she probably would have died anyways. Yeah. Because her heart was dislodged. They also said that um, uh, in 2019, a forensic um, doctor came out and said after reviewing like the autopsy stuff that Diana had a tear in her lung. That was unlike anything he had ever seen before because it was so small and so minute. Um, And it was a result of the accident, but not something that you would ever be able to see, like mm. performing surgery. That there was, she like, if she had it. been wearing a seatbelt, she would have walked away with a broken arm and a black eye. <sighs> we don't know if that's true, but wear seatbelts. I would say wear seatbelts. So another crazy theory Tell is me. that this was a an attempt to fake her own death. That oh, that's right. I've heard wrong, that one. Right. So fed up with the constant intrusions into her private life. 
She Diana, would never do that. Diana decided to use Dodie's huge amount of resources resources to arrange a spectacular death from which she could retreat into blissful isolation. One version of the theory claims that the crash was an attempt at a fake death that went horribly wrong. I do not believe that one. So the evidence, according to this website, is that bodyguard Trevor Reese Jones still lives. But testimony from Mercedes Auto's experts say that it would have been almost impossible for anyone to have survived a crash in the tunnel in a car going 121 miles per hour. So maybe as driver Henry Paul's lawyers claim, the car was not going that face that fast. Maybe the crash was faked by the army-trained Reese Jones, who had previously deposited Diana and Dodie somewhere else in order to fake their death. Also, evidence B, Dodie's usual driver wasn't used. Mystery still surrounds Henry Paul, the security officer who stepped into the last minute to drive. It took a full two days for his name to be revealed, for instance, and co-workers at the Ritz Hotel say he kept to himself and never socialized with them. And one version of this conspiracy quickly turned into that, like, Henry Paul didn't even exist. Another um, was that he quickly whisked, or another that he was quickly whisked away from the hospital after being declared dead by doctors in cahoots with the Al Fayed family. So just six hours before she died, Diana let slip to Daily Mail reporters that Richard Cray, or sorry, just six hours before she died, Diana let slip to Richard Mail reporter Richard Cray that she was about to withdraw completely from public life. So all of that is evidence of this conspiracy. Okay. But it's not true because you know what? Her kids. Exactly. She would never. She just would never. Yes. So another plot was that MI6 killed Diana. So rogue elements in the British Secret Service decided that Diana was a threat to the throne and therefore the stability of the state and they had to take her out. I don't believe it. I'm already like, what? Yeah, no. So... The evidence here, guys, is that recent revelations had shown that there are rogue elements in the Secret Service who act as more or less autonomous cells. Some of these have been revealed to have a pretty strange view of what constitutes a threat to the state. For instance, they have files on John Lennon, current British Home Secretary, Interior Minister Jack Straw, and they once tried to destabilize the 1970s 1970s labor government. It is not inconceivable that the same agents who believed Lenin was capable of leading revolution also believed Diana was capable of fucking up or uh, creating popular unrest. MI6 is suspected of bugging Diana throughout her years in the royal limelight, hmm. and many believe they were behind the leaking of the squidgy gate, phone taping, Ew. phone tapping tapes. See? Which damaged her image during her breakup with Charles. And bodyguard Trevor Reese Jones was a former member of the crack parachute regiment, one of the most tough in the British Army. He also completed two stints in Northern Ireland and served in the Royal Military Police, just the kind of background that would have seen him come into contact with members of the Secret Service. I'm still not buying it. Theorists cite the fact Reese Jones survived the crash as evidence that he was in on the plot to kill Diana. That's not likely. I'm just reading these. I don't know. I know. I know. I know. You're just going through them, but I'm just like, no. And then the final one that I guess I will go through is that Diana was never meant to be the target. It was Dodi Al-Fayed the whole time. So Uh. business enemies of Dodi and his father, Mohammed um, Al-Fayed was, you know, they had, they were rich motherfuckers. They and you were. don't get that rich without making some serious. Well, if the brother was an enemies. arms dealer, yeah. that's pretty bad. A billionaire arms dealer. So the evidence to prove this is that Alfie Ed 
had not gotten to the top without making some serious enemies along the way. The owner of Harrods fought a bitter battle for the top London store some years ago and has also been denied British nationality after question marks were raised about his business practices. His activities have included under-the-counter payments to conservative um, MPs. I don't know what that means. Hmm. MPs. Not prime ministers, that's PM. That would be PMs. I don't know. Ministers prime. And his <laughs> oldest son and heir Doty would have been an obvious target for anyone wanting to settle a score with Mohammed Al-Fayed. I mean, that's likely-ish. So I don't know. they're saying that... But who knows? Because yeah. there's no real... They're saying that like the Diana of it all was meant to be the cover-up because the actual target was Doty Al-Fayed. But my God, like what a fucked up yeah way to kill someone like just blow him up in his own car by i himself. mean really like or poison him for fart's sake so those are just some i'm just gonna put yeah. that there just some yeah. of, of the, the theories. conspiracy theories well because no one wanted her to die and i think what happens when you want to because i got some of my conspiracy information from a podcast called conspiracy theories podcast oh, and i mean you said them all which is wonderful because that was your job but i couldn't help but like listen a little more but they talk about the reason people create conspiracy theories because they go through this podcast goes through all of conspiracy theories is that we need to make sense of something we don't understand right like no one believes that someone like princess diana dies in a car accident that's just an accident i know it's hard to wrap you need you need a reason right why this larger than life person could be taken out in such a kind of yeah an ordinary way. So I think it's interesting. So Diana's body was taken to her family home in Althorpe. And there her body was laid to rest on an island in the middle of Round Oval Lake. So it's like a tiny uh, lake, but there's like a little island in the middle and that's where her body is. Isn't that her cool? brother um, rose a canoe out there every year on the anniversary of her death to visit her grave. Oh my God, I love that. I feel like if I was her child, I would do the same thing. And then her brother said, this is a quote from him. He said, Diana was the very essence of compassion, of duty, of style, of beauty. All over the world, she was a symbol of selfless humanity. All over the world, a standard bearer for the rights of the truly downtrodden. A very British girl who transcended nationality. Someone with a natural nobility who was classless and who proved in the last year that she needed no royal title to continue to generate her particular brand of magic. Isn't that nice? I love that. I know. I love her. So, first of all, thank you guys for like following us along on this this story. Princess Diana is fascinating and I could not recommend more if during these you know, stay home. It's better to stay home. Don't go out and eat in restaurants, guys. It's dangerous. Pick up your takeout, go home and put on like HBO's Diana, our mother documentary. It's very sweet. Um, Or the Nat Geo, Diana and her own words documentary. That's the one I'm going to do next. Nat Geo. just like listen to the story of this incredible woman who at the age of 19 years old was taken away from a life that previously consisted of being a nanny and a kindergarten teacher into being the fiance of the most famous man at the time in Britain. And then nobody showed her the ropes of how to, to deal with one, the attention and two, the rules. And she had to figure it out on her own. And the beautiful 
way that she ultimately came to found her voice by discovering the power of using the media to her advantage instead of letting them, you know, tell their story. She got, she learned how to tell her own story, but then also just like the tragedy that that for sure played a part in her demise, whether or not the paparazzi were actually responsible for the car crashing, the car was speeding because they were trying to get away from paparazzi. And as Prince Harry said, you know, what's so hard for him when it comes to paparazzi is that, you know, the, the same people that were potentially responsible for the crash were the people that were taking pictures of her while she was dying in the backseat of that car instead of getting her help. It's really, really, really screwed up. That's fucked up one. Yeah. But also explains, I feel like, so much about who Prince Harry is today and what we know him as and how fiercely protective he is of his family. That's right. And the press and their treatment of her and the lawsuits and keep them coming. Do not let them. I know. I feel like him and Megan, everyone needs to calm down. Just let them live their lives. Like, let them live their lives. Like, who cares? Jeez. Like, they're people, too. Yeah, I I do think it's funny where it was such a big deal when they left. I'm like, who fucking cares? Who cares? They paid the queen back. But I guess we're Americans. You know, we're not English. Yeah, I guess we're not. We don't have a monarchy. Listen, I do. It's very fun and interesting. I know a lot of people watch The Crown. Um, I know. Now I feel like I should watch The Crown. We should watch it. But, you know, one thing that's interesting is guess what they left out of The Crown? And I definitely want to end it on this. They left out Tampon Gate. Boop, boop. Boop, 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 oh boop, yeah, boop. but they, of course they did. Time of the that month. is not mm-hmm. appropriate mm-hmm. for classy it's British pretty television. Nasty. It's like soap snast. It's awful. Yeah, we love you guys though That's more right. than than Prince Charles loves the idea of being a box of tampax in Camilla's bathroom. So more. thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. That's right, guys. One more to go. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.